edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man to do the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is July 30th, 2013. This is episode 1175 of the Survivor, po Survivor Podcast. It's the Survival Podcast. If I can't get it right, how's anybody else going to get the brand right? Yep, this is uh, Jack Spierko of the Survival Podcast. It's episode 1175. We'll get it right this time. Today, uh, I'm in a better mood than yesterday. I, I want to apologize a little bit for like kind of like totally losing it and snapping a gasket yesterday. I know some of you people actually like when I do that. Um, I don't. Because that is, uh, that's old Jack. That's, uh, the Jack that bought into the fact that we could change the system before we could change ourselves. Um, I shouldn't have been surprised by anything I was telling you yesterday. In fact, if you noticed, the, uh, the thing that I, I got the most upset about was something that I had told you almost a year before it occurred that it would occur. It's just at times you really begin to be sad and sorrowful for your nation and for your world, honestly. I, I, I think it's sad that we've allowed what has happened to this country to happen to this country, what's happened to our people to happen to our people. And I try to focus more on solutions. I did hear from several of you, though, that said they felt like they got punched in the face yesterday and meant it in a good way uh, with about the last 15 minutes of the show. And uh, closing up with you know, asking you basically the question, If 25 or 35 years from now you're sitting down talking to your children who are now young adults, if you're a very young person, or you're talking to your grandchildren, or if you're a bit older like me, and um, you're looking out at a country that we know is coming, a country that is bankrupt both financially uh, and morally, if we're sitting there looking at a country who's fallen from its place in prominence, uh, that maybe has had parts of it actually fall apart, Um, that has its agricultural system, uh, you know, picking the bones of what's left. Food is in short supply. Um, Detroit is the average city rather than the exception. We're in that world. How would you feel if you told your grandchild or your child, hey, I tried, I voted for the right guy, or hey, I tried, I argued with your uncle, versus, hey, look what we have because I thought ahead and I built something that would last And that's what we're going to talk about today, because I have one of my favorite people, favorite new friends uh, that I've made, uh, Nick Bertner, who is uh, from a, a school called Working with Nature right here in North Texas, in uh, Plano, Texas, that focuses on permaculture principles. Nick's a pretty accomplished guy uh, in just a few years. He really started his walk into permaculture, honestly, after I did, but he sure as heck did a lot more with getting hands-on training. Uh, 2011, he started doing his thing and uh, traveled actually to the PRI of Australia and got his uh, got his uh, permaculture PDC from Jeff Lawton and Bill Mollison, right from the source. He's uh, interned with Jeff, uh, been through Earthworks course, been to uh, Taos, New Mexico at the uh, uh, the Earthship uh, workshop or the Earthship uh, school. So he's he's learned that type of construction as well. He's now running his own school. He has some interesting opportunities for people today. If you own land in West Texas, you really want to open your ears during today's show and not miss an incredible opportunity that will cost you nothing other than the materials and equipment. Um, I'll just give you a sneak peek. If you have land in West Texas, 
uh, not a not a tenth of an acre, but let's say an acre to ten acres, and ideally five to ten acres. Uh, Nick is going to give you an offer today to uh, provide consulting for free for a certain number of people uh, with a complete plan on how to implement a permaculture food forest in the deserts of West Texas. So that's just one thing you're going to hear about today. Before I get into that, though, let's go ahead and take care of our sponsors. Sponsor of the day number one today, J.M. Bullion. You know what? I'm going to tell you, the, uh, the economic future of this country is not great. And I'm not one of these people that tells you, like some dumbasses do, that you know you just need to sell everything, get rid of every stock, get rid of every penny of cash, sell your house, live in a hole in the ground, and buy silver, 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 no matter what. That's the only thing that matters is silver. Buy silver and buy it from me. Uh, you know, I, of course I'm not going to tell you that because JM's not me, and I, I do sell silver as well uh, through Coins for the Cause TSP Mint. But JM Bullion is a great place to buy silver, and it does belong is part of your investment portfolio. Because there will come a time when our money becomes very, very invalued. It really is going to happen. There'll be some sort of a reset, and you might not make out the way you think you will either with it. You might not, well, since it's inflation, I can pay off my house for next to nothing. You really don't know. I really don't know. But I do know this. Silver and gold have a long history of always having value and have never been worth nothing. And right now you can do business in silver and gold privately. Those are two very important things to consider. And if you're looking to increase your silver holdings, especially if you're looking for generic silver rounds or silver eagles or pre-65 uh, silver coin or something like that or gold, check out Jam Bullion. They're a great partner. They've been working with us for a long time, and uh, they've done a great job of taking care of my audience. Next up today is Fortress Defense Consultants. Hey, look, I'm, I'm what I call a peaceful warrior. I don't really want a conflict. And I do everything I can to avoid conflict. But it's good to know what you're doing with a weapon because we can get into a position where people that don't think that way become a danger. Just the other night, I had someone sitting outside of our gate at about 11.30 at night on the road and something just didn't look right. And I uh, actually went out there armed and uh, came up out of the darkness from behind the vehicle with a flashlight to check on what was going on. And it ended up being a a quite frightened elderly Asian lady who was waiting for someone to come and show her where she was going because she'd gotten lost. And while I felt bad for frightening her, uh, didn't draw down on her or anything like that, it felt good that I was able to, uh, to address that situation from a point of safety where I was in a position with an advantage because I have the training to do things like that. And I think a lot of us think, well, I'll just get a gun. I'll just get a gun, I'll get some ammo, I'll go to the range, I'll learn how to shoot it and learn how it works, and I'll be good. You know, in those situations, even when you think, you know, maybe this isn't necessary, everything changes in your mind and in your psyche and in your heart. Your blood pressure goes up and, and things happen like that. Now, you've got this lady sitting out there that's just lost, and you've got me coming out there checking on what's going on. That, if you're not trained right, could be a recipe for disaster. That really could. So the training is not just about what you do. When you end up in an actual conflict and you actually have to use force or even provide the threat of force, but how to make sure you get yourself into a situation so if there is no force necessary, you identify that very quickly and don't use any. Firearms training is much about what to do with the gun as when not to do something with a gun. You'll learn both of those things from Fortress Defense Consultants and Frank Sharp Jr.'s cadre of professional instructors. And remember, if you don't want to travel to Indiana to take training with Frank, You can uh, have Frank come to you if you put together a small group. Check him out today at FortressDefense.com. 
Uh, last but not least, I want to remind you guys about the Members Support Brigade. If you want to support my show, 18.3 cents an episode. You get done with today's episode and think, damn, that was two dimes worth of information. Consider joining, and uh, you'll be supporting the show at what you think it's at least worth, and you'll get a whole bunch of other cool stuff that I'll just leave out today because I want to uh, introduce our guest today, Mr. Nick Burtner. Again, Nick is a, uh, a pretty awesome guy. Uh, he's a martial artist. He's actually a second-degree black belt. He is a, uh, a permaculture warrior, if there ever was. One stunned, studied directly under Jeff Lawton, uh, as I mentioned, has been out to the uh, Earthship Academy in Taos, New Mexico. And he's just an all-around awesome guy, and he's helping me with a lot of things. You're going to hear about a lot of opportunity to learn from both Nick and myself today and to get some, uh, some awesome consulting. I can't believe Nick's even going to do one of the things he's going to announce today. But with that said, hey, Nick, man, welcome to the Survival Podcast. Thanks, Jack. Hey, hey, man, it seems like just yesterday you and I were uh, chatting and uh, looking at my garden. It seems like you were just here or something. <laughs> Speaking of, I, I was just there. Uh, and, you know, let me take, at least here at the beginning, the opportunity to say a lot of people probably would like to kind of hang out with you, and I, I've had the opportunity to do it. And most people probably don't know that you're a very sincere and, and considerate guy, you know. Your radio personality just to the max, and it's really refreshing. So, hanging out with you as a friend, you know, a future brother in permaculture, I appreciate uh, your sincerity and your consideration just as a human being, man. So, give that to uh, your listeners and see see what they <laughs> how they run with that. Well, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate that. Paused. Well, cool, man, and I, I loved having you out here, and, uh, you know, the reason that, that we're chatting is uh, you reached out to me because uh, you found, uh, I don't remember how you found me, but I think it had something to do with the DFW Permaculture Guild. I don't know if either one of us have ever gotten actually to one of their events, but it was an intention anyway, and you let me know that you were just moving to the area, you had been out interning with Jeff Lawton, and then you had this 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 dream you're going to set up a permaculture consultancy teaching school et cetera right here in North Texas and and you've now done that and before we get into kind of how others can do that and and what you provide and how you do it could you just talk about how how the heck did you end up here anyway what i found with most people that are really bitten heavily by the permaculture bug is it's almost inevitable that when you say what did you do before it has nothing to do with permaculture at all. So is that the same with you? Exactly. It is. It is. Uh, well, basically, I was cutting down trees in a uh, in a business that I was involved in before for over a decade. And I guess subconsciously in there, it was, um, hey, I really need to reverse uh, what I'm doing. Um, after a greater calling in 2011, I, permaculture had really found me, and I came back, did uh, the first PDC. I was in Nicaragua at the time in 2011. I came back, did the first PDC I could in Texas, um, couldn't get enough, uh, went off to the Earthship Academy, learned how to make architecture. Uh, and by the way, uh, we, can, we can talk about that a little bit more later. Even for the people who are not into earth ships, uh, what to learn there can work with any off-grid building. Um, after that, I, I started my trips over to Australia, and that's where I met Jeff. Um, I did a PDC with Bill Mollison and Jeff, and also did an uh, internship uh, on Zaytuna Farm and 
wow, that was an amazing experience. Uh, this is really good because it's, it kind of takes off that mantra. Do you need 30 years in horticulture to be able to do any of this? And you don't. You really don't. If you're really serious about it and dedicate, um, anybody can do it. Anybody can. And I'm a living testament to it, and uh, I'm, I'm really here just to, to help people along their path in doing it, whether it be learning more about permaculture or just, you know, helping them with their land as a consultant. Whatever I can do, uh, I would like to be of service to help them. You know, I completely agree with you about not needing 10 years in horticulture or something like that. I've been to, to places, and you meet some people, and they're, they're very interesting people. But they know the Latinaic name of every plant everywhere at any purpose. It does, you know, and for, you know, in any situation, you're like, what's this? And they're like, it's flu, 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 flu. And it, you know, it does, and it's interesting. And I think as I've researched a little bit more, as you move up the chain kind of to the family, you start to see like, well, this will work here. Even and so there's advantages to, to some of that knowledge, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the person's going to be a good designer. In fact, sometimes um, it actually holds up design because they're so worried about will something work because the book says it doesn't work. And um, you know, at the event I was just at with Dave Jackie, he kept saying, "Understand, even though I wrote a book with all this information, it plants don't read books." You know, so getting out there like you did and actually doing it, I think, is a much more accelerated way to get somebody into actually practicing uh, design, whether it's for themselves or whether it's in a consultancy. You're exactly right. I have a lifelong dream of knowing every Latin name of every plant I'll ever plant or tree. And notice I, I, I preface that with lifelong dream. <laughs> <laughs> It, the first thing that we need to do, a PDC course gets the roots for people. It gets the roots. It's 12 days. Every day has something different to learn, whether it be off-grid building or, you know, something in the animal husbandry, how to, how, to, how to remineralize land over large acres all the way down to urban. After that, then it would be very beneficial for somebody to kickstart their learning if they can have a place to, say, live in a tent for four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, ten weeks, learn hands-on what's going on. Watch and see how the swales work with water. And, and Jack, this is where I'm looking to really to guild with everybody in this area to come to what we're setting up, be part of it, be part of the, uh, the movement. Uh, like Mollison says, this is, this is a uh, uh, gardening is a revolution discussion. Permaculture is a revolution disguised as gardening, excuse me. <laughs> so, you know, be part of this, and and we're going to have internships, and I know you're, you're already doing internships. The more people, the better, and it starts with a PDC. It starts with that curious knowledge, truly valuable information, as, as you're aware of. Yeah, and I think people really need to think about if they're going to dedicate themselves to an internship, whether it be a month or several months, or in my case, I'm doing six-month rotations, what do you really want from an internship? My internship is a a business internship disguised as a permaculture internship, you know, and I was very clear about that with, with the prospective interns because I wanted people to pick the right thing. If If somebody does an internship or an apprenticeship with you, they're going to go deep into the design consultancy development layout at a much higher level than they would with me. And I think that people, if they want to further themselves in life, I don't care if it's permaculture or business or whatever, 
that that type of intensive learning with someone that's already been there, done that, and is continuing to do it is really a great avenue. It, it is. It is. And, and if they do it with anybody who is dedicated to to giving valuable information away, it will be tremendously beneficial, whether it be me, you, or other places in the United States. Or if you have the funds and the time, go go to, go to Zaytuna Farm. I mean, I did it. Do it. I mean, it's amazing. So you're right. If you're going to dedicate that amount of time, you're very serious. You want a place where you can really get deep, deep into into the learning, and and come with an open mind. Because if you come with dogma, you know you're probably going to be disappointed. Um, you and I were talking the other day. There's this big movement or this big idea of you know permaculture is just a bunch of you know, and I hate to say it like this, a bunch of hippie stuff. And the fact of the matter, it's not at all. It's not. Uh, on, on my school, there's, there's no drugs and alcohol. I mean, take it very serious. If you're going to sp- spend that amount of money and that amount of time, you, you want a serious education. And, and, um, and I'm, I'm here to provide it for you. Very cool. And I, just so you know where, where, where we're coming from with TSP, we're not. Uh, a permaculture podcast, though I've been accused of it a time or two. We are a self-sufficiency, self-reliance, liberty-oriented podcast around the concepts of modern survival. The reason we do so much with permaculture is because one of the biggest risks that I feel the nation has is food security. And that we are we are rapidly, and if we're going to be a modern survivalist, that's not just about if the zombies march, right? That's about living a better life every day. And we have urban food deserts, but I, we also have something that I consider a, a travesty in this country. We have 400-pound people who are literally starving to death. They're not calorically starving, but they have nutritional deficiencies that are unbelievable. And could you speak to a minute about how permaculture is really a self-sufficiency, self-reliance medium and addresses some of these things like food security, like the ability for a family to truly be sovereign as a family. Remember, maybe part of that community, but doing so by choice versus being dependent on somebody else. Definitely. I'm glad you brought that up. Permaculture is about long-term food security. It's about, it's really about freedom. Uh, we, we, it's kind of like Groundhog's Day. This is what we're doing today in our current systems. We go to sleep, we wake up, go to work, come home, watch something, go to sleep, wake up. You know, it's just over and over and over. We don't have no time to critically think. We are eating non-nutritious food. 84% of our immune systems are digestive tract, and we don't have the nutrient-rich food to put in ourselves. So the same companies who are throwing chemicals into the food are turning back around and giving you drugs because something's wrong with you, schizophrenia, autism, whatever it is, which could be cured just through proper diet. So long-term food security is, you know, we're talking food forestry, not just urban gardening, which is, you know, to the max in permaculture, but seven-generation thinking. Think about how can we plan in succession my grandkids, grandkids, grandkids will benefit from this and give them the tools to help themselves and help other people. It's very much uh, about a self-reliance way of um, approaching life and gives you truly valuable skills for life. Um, 
and I really look forward to helping people with, with those skills as well. Yeah, you're making me think while I was in, when I was in Montana with the Dave Jackie thing recently, we had a group of people that we were designing this, this forest garden park for that wanted a huge course of it to be conventional community gardens, raised beds, which there's, there's nothing really wrong with that. But one of the things that we tried to convey to them in a saying that I came with is kind of stuck in my head ever since I said it that I think is a, is a great statement for taking permaculture forward is plant a garden for yourself, plant a forest for your children. Hey, did you, you said you made that up? Yeah. That's awesome. Well, That's we'll true. see. I mean, I think I made it up. I don't think I heard it anywhere else. Or maybe, you know, maybe I came up with it, but maybe I'm not the first person. But I think that I think that kind of embodies permaculture in total, that it is that multi-generational thinking. And um, as, as a, you know, the survivalist movement has been labeled as a bunch of wackos that are sure the world's going to end tomorrow. And really what the, the modern survival movement is, is a bunch of people that know sooner or later um, things are going to come to a head and somebody's going to deal with it. And I think the problem we have in America today, and, and the people that think this way might be right. By the time it happens, I won't be here, so I don't care. And I'm okay with that right up to the part where they get to the, like, the I don't care part. Because those are going to be your kids and grandkids dealing with it. And, 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 and worse yet, you might be you know, you know, 85 when it happens or 90 when it happens. And if, if your kids can't look after themselves, you're going to be in a world of hurt. And I think we do need both from a self-preservation standpoint and from just a concern and a compassion for the next generation to start thinking in that long term. And that's, that's part of why I love permaculture. There's a Native American proverb that says, we didn't inherit the land from our ancestors. We're borrowing it from our children. Oh, I like that. So you are correct, Jack. You are correct. It is the plant a garden for us today, for us next year, our crops for us next year, food security for our children, and restructuring us being land surgeons coming in and putting back nature's intention. That's for our children. That is what we're borrowing from our children. So the only in the last, you know, three or so generations, you know, if we think about it, it's been the golden era. There hasn't been another time in human history that we're aware of that you, we can even have the luxury of having a vegetarian diet. That it, it's, it's only because of supermarkets. It's only because of the way we're toting chemicals and, and fossil fuels around to grow agriculture. Well, that's coming to an end at some point. It cannot continue to go. It's like going back to Native Americans. It's like, okay, I learned how to herd buffalo. Well, that's really great, but now I'm going to herd them all off a cliff. Hmm. Well, what, what does that do for me? You know, I, I'm killing myself. And so we, we you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate. We're very fortunate. There's, there's our pioneering species out here, and we are kind of like succession. We are the weedy, spiky characters that come in, we're, plant, we're restructuring the minds of people to bring in succession for a new wave of thinking, a new way to evolve. So we even so the same things that's happening in food forestry. We're talking ground cover, leguminous things that grow really quick. The, the pioneering species, something much more delicate like a, a, a cherry tree or something like this. We're you know we're coming in. We're restructuring the minds of people so that they can evolve to a better state than what we have now for our children. It's um, true. If you look at it through that lens, that's truly remarkable stuff. Yeah, I mean, you, you said that you told me the other night, you said you're a weed. And I think a lot of people might be offended by that. I was like, of course I am. And it, it, if you understand weeds, it's 
it really is our role right now. I think the first generation of people really doing this is is slowly turning into the second generation, which is still that pioneering weedy group. Um, and and I think it's our children and grandchildren if we do this right that will inherit all of the pioneering work and will do things far more sophisticated and elegant. Uh, with landscape design, with permaculture design, with edible systems and distributed uh, agriculture, instead of having that consolidated agricultural concept. And I think it can branch out into business, philosophy, town management, city management, state management, um, and, and be better for everybody. I know that sounds like a pipe dream. And with you look at some of the crap that's going on right now, you, you, you realize that it, it sounds almost fanciful, but my belief is that, you know, coming from the coal region, I've seen land completely decimated, and I know the power of basic science and nature and the pioneering species. And I've seen land that was totally destroyed reclaim itself if we get out of the way. And I think both the land and society can do that faster if we take an active role in it. They definitely can. But I want to backtrack on what you just said a minute ago. You said, if we do this right for our grandchildren – well, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, we're not, we're not good. We're not going to settle with if we're doing it right. <laughs> well, I know that we are, but when I say we, I mean everybody. And there's, there's, there's a lot left to be done to, to open minds. I think before we can say we collectively are going to do it right and mean it. I think that there's people like you and I. We're just going to do it. We're not, we're not going to ask permission. We're not going to say, is it okay with you if we're just going to freaking do it. Exactly. exactly. You can you can lead, follow, or get out of the way. I mean, that's <laughs> I think that's where I think we're both coming from there. What, what let's get kind of into like what you're doing though, because there's a lot of people in this audience that are basically where you were a few years ago. They're like, I don't like what I'm doing anymore, and I want to do something that matters. And not you know, there's a lot of people who want to do a lot of varied things, but one that comes up a lot here is. Permaculture. Some people want to be like Mark Shepard. They want a 100-acre farm, and they want to do some educational stuff and all, but they really want to farm. Some want to do more, though, like what you're talking about doing, education and consultancy. So with a business set up like that, what, what exactly do you offer, and how do you, how do you manage your business? What do you do when you get a client, you know, that type of thing? Sure. So that's, that is something – there's a whole field open for people. And there's, there's very few experts in permaculture right now. So there's a whole field and there's a whole turn of the, of people's mindset of like, Hey, people are catching on. Our current systems are making us sick and they're coming to an end. I want help. I, I have three kids or whatever. I don't have time to take a PDC, but I have the resources to hire a consultant or permaculture designer, some type of permaculture expert. So, it literally, it really starts with a PTC, which is a permaculture design course. That's the foundation that Bill Mollison, it's a 72-hour course. You have to do it, okay? After that, there's three other courses that I highly recommend. You don't have to take them, but it will benefit you tremendously. One is an earthworks course, which, you know, that's really getting into swales, the different types of ponds. Uh, they call them dams in other parts of the world. The uh, how to how to understand water and its constants and the way it's so passive. Earthworks is, is the another course. PDC Earthworks soils soils course, and we know nothing of the soil. I could 
you know, us permaculture, so we could tell you so much about soil, and we're not even scratching the surface. The energy interactions that are happening, there's so much to be learned here. It's amazing. But even if we understand the soil, now we have to understand the life in the soil and how to put that in either an urban environment or a rural, envi- rural environment or something really large scale like, you know, the state of New Mexico or something. After that, I would recommend a whole gardening course. Now, when I say gardening, not just, you know, native plants, I'm talking from seed to seed saving. How do you take a seed? How do you make potting mix? How do you do composting? How do you make a life-rich soil? How do you grow? How do you save those seeds? When to harvest in your particular climate or your client's particular client uh, climate? And, you know, around you, wherever you're going to be working. Those four items are crucial. There's other things, too. You know, there's urban permaculture courses. There's, there's tons of courses out there that you you and I have even talked about. We're, we're going to do it like a, like a master design course. We're going to do that. I'm sure we'll talk about that in a minute. But those are the four things I would highly recommend for somebody wanting to go do be a consultant slash designer and let me let me hold you there just a second, so that there's because there's some people out there writing this crap down. And let me put it to you this way: there's 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 people like me that have gone out and taken all kinds of firearms training, with no desire to be a firearms instructor because I like it. And if somebody out there wants to do all this, and basically all you're going to do is work in your own backyard, maybe on your neighbor's yard, you can go that far. But when Nick says these are the things you really need to do. Just to be clear, you're speaking of someone that says, I want to do this as a teaching consulting professional, correct? Yes. Actually, the, when I, those four things, I went on a consulting slash teaching professional in that, in that area. If you're going to okay. be a teaching professional, I highly recommend, you know, do an internship, do a teacher's training course for permaculture. That's a whole other avenue. And we offer those uh, at, at Working with Nature uh, Learning Center that, that I have. But if we're just talking about going out and getting the credentials and getting experience, then it's down to those four things. So, yes, you are correct. Very cool. I just, again, because I know some people are like, I got to do all this. No, it depends. If you're going to continue fitting pipes together at your, your, your day job and, no, you don't necessarily have to do all this, you can, and we'd love you to, but – when you say you, these are the things you got to do, we're, we're talking with, with pro, you know, people that want to do this professionally. Um, and once you've let, done let, all that, I, go ahead. If I, get, if I can interrupt for a second. Yeah, that's when professionally you're trying to build a, a portfolio, a rapport on doing it. You're, you're wanting to start, you know, doing this and helping people because that's really, you know, don't get me wrong, you can make money on this. You know, I, I, I get $850 a day for consulting. That's my fee. And you can do that too. If you know, all you have to do is do the credentials, go through the work, and then get some experience, and then get a reputable person to give you a letter of recommendation, uh, such as somebody who has a school. So that's for the professional. Now, if you're just an advocate or a practitioner, okay, I don't want to discourage anybody by saying, oh, they, they feel they have to do all this. They're coming from a total, you know, different mindset. You don't have to take any courses. You know, you can go get you the permaculture designer manual, which which has it all. And you can start in your backyard right now. So you, I'm not tying anybody to say you have to do any courses. Go out, watch videos. We're going to come out with a whole series of videos just for this area and for West Texas. We're going to have a documentary on, on kind of regreening West Texas. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But you don't have to take any courses at all. If you want to take, do permaculture, 
call Jack show, you know, email me. I will willingly help you do whatever you want to do, you know, as long as time permits. So you don't have to be bound to courses. Now, if you want to create your own practice, I would highly recommend getting the credentials. And I can help you do that, too. You know, I think that's the the, the one thing I think people need to take in on that is it's a a wide-open career field. And you listen to, like, all those things you should do, and it sounds like a lot. But you can bust that out in a year. And if you and it will, and if you look at what it will cost you, including travel and everything else, compared to four years of college to get a degree that today is nothing more than a hunting license, um, it's it's a fraction of that cost. And I can't tell you how many young people I've heard from at expos and stuff, Nick, that have said, you know, I'm thinking about going into this type of thing, you know, organic gardening, permaculture, et cetera, and I want to go to a college. What what, what should I take? And I'm like, don't go. You know, and their parents look at me like angry. And I'm like, you're going to go learn from textbooks written by freaking Monsanto. That's, that's, or if you insist on going to a university, take organic chemistry and take permaculture courses on your own time. If you go get an ag degree, you'll spend tens and tens of thousands of dollars in years of your life and you'll never learn any of this. None. It's not taught in schools. It's not. These are, this is where humanity is going. If we want to learn these things or not, we're going to have to. It, we are going to have to. In the end, the climate will get us. In the end, the climate will get us. And that's a quote directly from Bill Mollison. So we're going to have to learn how to harmonize the natural phenomenon if we want to or not. And it's, don't get me wrong, I will hug a tree. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not toting hay. Environment, you know, save the planet, this and that, which I, I, my heart is there. But it's really about, do we want to continue as a human species? And if you want to learn these things, you know, Jack, you're right. College is not going to teach you sheet mulching. It's not going to teach you how to put probiotic in the soil and how you're going to get that from a rumen of a cow or how you're going to, you know, learn how to reforest using goats and cows and sell mob grazing. They're not going to teach you that. It's going to be the farmers or the people who are the weedy species who want to continue this for the education of humanity. Um, yeah, <laughs> so I, I will totally agree. I hope there's parents out there who, who want to send their kids to ag school. It's not like it's useless. I, 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 I learned a lot. I learned about mythology in, in school, <laughs> but I didn't, learn, I didn't learn how to uh, uh, even sow a lettuce seed. You know, I, I had to go go on my own. And you might learn that through horticulture and whatnot. But um, there are a lot of programs out there that won't even maybe spend a day only on organic horticulture. And they and they have a, like a whole program dedicated to get you like a, a, a premier gardener. But, you know, most people are not into putting a bunch of uh, products into the soil nowadays. You know, people are, are waking up. How do you do it organically? And kind of a tangent, organic's only a step in the right direction. Mark, I would like to mark my words on this. Our next phase of food is going to be, I don't know what it's going to be called, but it's going to be nutrient-dense food. So organic was somewhat a step in the right direction. It's still kind of using conventional practices. It's, it's, it's still making farmers into slaves. They're still allowing chemicals. I don't know if people know that or not. You, they, the government, the USDA allows chemicals to be organic the next that's really what we're doing is we're taking the toxins out taking the pesticides or herbicides the worst 
taking the fungicides, herbicides, artificial fertilizers out, but we're not putting the nutrition back in. And you can you can tell that or not. You can't fake a BRICS reading. So you can't fake this. That's hmm. the next step is how we're going to go in and put the nutrition back in food. That's the next phase, the small small term phase. And then, you know, I'm really interested in kind of what you're saying, what we talked about the other night. In permaculture, we are very aware that in order to make a quick switch, it's going to be in the backyards. It's going to be in the nature strips in all the suburbs, on all the freeways. That's where we're going to, boom, that's how we can instantly turn this, you know, desertifying agriculture into something right here, right now. I've never heard anybody come up with a plan until I was talking with you last night, and i got to give it to you. It, I think there needs to be other ideas thrown around as well. But this is the first time I've ever heard something that, that could potentially work. And that's, uh, I mean, I'll let you take off from there because I don't remember all the details, but it well, was... Well, I've talked about it with the audience, and I've actually talked with your mentor, Jeff, a bit about putting this together. And as you said, there is an urban permaculture course, but we we talked about... And I don't think anybody needs to wait on us to do this because, you know, Jeff's a busy guy and I'm a busy guy and who knows what eventually it would morph into. But my concept was a specialization in urban. Um, and I don't like the word urban, but I get it because when I say, ur- when I say urban, what I, what I think a lot of people think of is, well, downtown, right? When I say urban, I mean everything that ain't rural. Right? I mean, if it's, if it's suburban, it's urban's in there, right? So, my view is that the largest segment of, of wealth in this society that's approachable is the middle class and upper middle class, and they live in suburbs all over this country. And every climate type and every place, and all of them have certain things in common. One, they all have a reasonable amount of wealth, or they wouldn't live there, okay, and they wouldn't be part of that upper middle class. Uh, number two, they eat or they'd be dead, right? So we know they have money and we know they eat. And then they live in a place that has land. And that land is is something that they have a great deal of control over how it gets used. And many of them are paying somebody to keep that land in a green golf course style grass. And that that capital can be simply just redirected to providing them food. And we don't have to tell them you're evil because you drive an SUV. We don't have to worry about their SUV. If I can get the, the soccer mom that drives an SUV for one kid to plant her backyard to food, and that's as far as she wants to go, I'm good. That's great. We'll do that. And, and we're, we're good to go from there. And, and let, let the, the transformation take itself from there. And just trust that whatever it, that transforms that family into will be better than where they are at, at now. And, and let go, because there's a lot of permaculturists that are purists like that. Like, you know, the first thing you tell somebody is you, you, not everybody can have a big screen TV and an SUV. Okay, don't worry about that. Let's, let's get these, these kids off of GMO corn and onto nutritionally dense food in their own backyard. And taking, and maybe not even using the word permaculture in the marketing, because a lot of these people, there's a rule in marketing. You never use a word that you have to explain on first contact. I might use a word that I have to explain during the sales process, but not during the marketing process. And what I mean by that is marketing is where I put out information that draws you in. Sales is where I take the interested party and convert them to a customer. So with marketing, I want to use all words that you already understand. And until we've made permaculture a bigger word, maybe it doesn't even go there. And I talked about this recently with a guy that went from conventional landscaping into permaculture, and we also agreed that part of the issue is 
as a new person, you might screw something up, and it'd be better if you didn't mess up the word permaculture by screwing something up. Because just because you did it wrong doesn't mean that everybody does it wrong. So maybe there's even that as we're experimenting with things. But then taking these backyards and being able to go into a, a suburban family and say, we'll convert your backyard into something beautiful that produces the most nutritious, high-quality food for your family and it will increase your property values. And sell them either I'll design it for you and leave you an implementation plan, and I'll walk away. I'll design it for you, I'll implement it for you, and then I'll walk away and leave you with a maintenance plan. I'll design it, implement, and maintain it for you. It's up to you. You can have A, B, or C, but let's get you on the path. And if we can really train people to look at that and say, okay, this is your blue sky, what you want your backyard to look like, um, but your budget is $4,500, and... Your your blue sky vision of what your backyard is a $12,000 installation. Fine. Here's phase one. We'll do that this year. Here's phase two. We'll do that next year. Here's phase three. We'll do that next year. And get people starting to think that way. And I think that uh, something hit me that put me on this whole whole thing. It was one of Jeff's videos or DVDs. And he was talking about how once people do this to their house, they never move. They just stay. They're like they fall in love with it and they never want to go anywhere. And what you're actually doing is you're cultivating a book of business, thinking about it from a businessman standpoint, that's very stationary and very loyal and, and excellent at doing referrals. And that starts to distribute the food system throughout the places that have the capacity, the ability, and the money to make the decision and do it now. Instead of trying to go out and tell a farmer who's on a subsidy who will lose everything he owns by the end of next year if something doesn't work to change his ways. He may want to more than anybody else in the world, but he feels very, very trapped. And that's a much longer process where, you know, when I sit down and talk to Mr. and Mrs. Uh, you know, Joe Smith, if they decide they want to do this now, well, we're doing it tomorrow morning. And that's a much easier thing. And I think that one of the throwbacks can be, look, if you ever decide you don't like having all this beautiful stuff and food in your backyard, you can yank it out and put grass back down, right? You haven't lost the farm. All you've done is just transformed your yard and put it back the way that it was. Because putting grass in is easy, you know? You bring a couple of guys in with some sod and they lay it down. Doing what we do is more elegant and complex, but it it really has the potential to transform your life. And so that's, that's, I have multiple ways I think we can do this. But to me, that's one of the, the easiest things we could be doing if we'll shed in permaculture what I call permaculture's boat anchor, which is this poverty consciousness a lot of people in the movement have. Everything should be done for free. Everything should be not for profit. If you want to do it, be, and your business is a not for profit business, and that's fine. But I think if you have the greatest product in the world that can do things that nothing else can do, that you should be able to sell it to modern America. And, and that's one way I see us doing that. Let me put some facts into what you just said and what Jeff had just said. So he said nobody wants to move after they've done this. Well, it's not a pipe dream. Davis, California has a suburb called Village Homes. I don't know why. It's the only suburb or subdivision that I'm aware of that learned from Mollison, and they have the whole subdivision created within permaculture. Look it up. It's called Village Homes. It's in Davis, California. They they can't. It's it's a real estate agent's nightmare because they can't sell any homes there. So 
it is true. What you're saying is if we are able to do this, you know, get into the minds of people and train people to to have a successful business where they can make money being consultants and designers, I mean, the sky's the limit. We're really restructuring our, our – we're designing our future. We're not giving it up to uh, big business or big brother or whatever. We are in control. We have freedom. We have the power to do it. And, and uh, real quick, let me give you an idea of how much is available. I had an idea years ago that we never ferreted out, and it's something maybe in the future we'll get some folks involved with, and maybe you and I can kind of push it. It's like a non-permaculture permaculture thing. It's just a simple thing. It was called the 10% Project, and it was designed this way. Simple message. Let's replace 10% of all the ornamental bushes, trees, and vines in America with something edible. Not full permaculture design, just, you know what, that Bradford pear is coming down and a Moonglow pear that actually grows pears is going in. That's it. That's simple. When I calculated it based on owner-occupied homes in America, how much food that can produce, I can't remember the number, but it was in the thousands of tons of food making that one switch. If we could actually transform the entire backyard – even 10% or 20% or 50% of that backyard, leave a little place for the kid to run around and kick the ball. We could produce more food there than I think most people can ever get their heads around. I am on board. <laughs> I, I, I will help in any way I can. We need more edibles. We need help. What can I do to help everybody, you know, get involved and do this? we got to stop you know, standing on soapboxes, and don't get me wrong, let's march against Monsanto, but let's take some responsibility, and let's make some, let's start doing and making some change, real changes today, you know, uh, which which makes me think of West Texas. You know, there are people out there who are living in a desert. I mean, I think it's nine inches of rain, eight or nine inches of rain out in El Paso, and, you know, there is tons of nutrient in the desert and dry land, clay or, or sand, whatever it is, but people need a little bit of guidance. I'm doing a, um, and this is kind of, you know, on top of the kind of transitioning over, Jack. I'm doing a very low-budget documentary for two or three pieces of property all the way up north to Abilene, down to El Paso, and the really West Texas desert, and we're going to create food forests. So I'm looking for people who have uh, one to ten acres, you know, preferably, you know, five to ten acres, that we can, you know, I'll, I'll donate my time, my expertise, and guidance uh, for somebody to to food forest their property. Of course, you know, they're going to need to provide the trees, the mulch, the micro-irrigation. We'll need to hire the earth movers and whatnot. But I'm really looking forward to doing this. They, they fund the project, but you consult for free, and then they're part of the documentary. That's the deal. That's it. Okay, awesome. so let me give out your email address. I'm sure you won't mind. No, go ahead. It, it's learn at workingwithnature.org. And if you are interested in that, I've heard from some of you guys out in that area saying, I need a consultant, uh, email Nick, and let's have him put uh, West Texas in the subject line. That'll, that'll bring it to your attention right away, what it's about. 
If you have a five to ten acre property, and I think you'd say go down to one, but ideally a five to ten acre property, and you're willing to fund the project and actually pay for your own stuff, and you want a professional consultant who has interned and been out to the PRA, PRI twice now with Jeff, um, get in touch with Nick and see if you guys can work it out, because I think that would be awesome. And uh, I hope that when that does happen, because I'm sure you're going to hear from people, probably more than you'd expect, um, I want to I want to be able to get out there and see it for myself because I think that there's a tremendous opportunity there. And you laughed at me the other night because you were on my property and uh, you kept asking about all this rock and like, did you know what you were doing when you bought this property? And I'm like, yeah. And you're like, well, why'd you do it? I'm like, I'm a masochist. And you started <laughs> laughing and you're like, well, I'm not. And I'm thinking, you want to go out to you know West Texas with nine inches of rain and do this? On some levels, you are. Except the, the truth is, we have a <laughs> we have a blueprint for doing this though. Hey, um, to all the Jack's listeners, and please give him a T-shirt that says "Masochist" and just start sending it to him. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what he is. But I'm a successful masochist. That's a, that should be the T-shirt. I'm a successful masochist. Um, I don't know what that really conveys, though. But I mean, let, let's let's. Let's you know we've we've said that we are looking for that land out there, and I I think it's because it does make um, an imprint on people. Like I told you, the thing that really hooked me in and got me to look deep enough to find Mollison basically kicking ass and and going I can do this was Jeff's greening the desert. If he had done greening the rainforest, right? I don't know that it would have worked. I don't know that it would have opened my mind or like you know greening the fern. Uh, forest or, you know, greening the boreal forest. I don't think I would have gotten really – or greening the, the, the Florida swamp. None of that would have, like, really you – know, it's already green. I don't know if you know that or not. Not that we can't do wonderful things there, but when I saw greening the desert and I saw this guy go into, like, the crappiest environment that I've ever seen for growing food and have people from a university go – yeah, you can't have figs on that fig tree. And the people running the site going, well, you better come here and look because they're there. Um, that transformed my viewpoint into what this could do. And I think that's that's what you're trying to do out there, right, is to really make a, a you know that, that carpet of green in the middle of the brown. Now, hey, when's the next time you're going up to Jordan, Jack? Uh, I'm probably to- not going to Jordan anytime soon. Right. When's the next time you're going to Dallas? Uh, probably this weekend against my will. Okay. <laughs> now, let's ask everybody in the United States this, okay? Mm-hmm. When's the next time you're going to Jordan? You know, they would love to see what Jeff's doing out there. And, you know, Jeff is my mentor. Don't get me wrong. He has written a lot of the br- blueprint of, um, of what needs to happen on this. I'm so grateful to be his intern. But... You know, now we have Texas here, and we have desert here in Texas. Let's get it right here in our backyards where we can see it. Let's open it up right here. I want a beacon. I want multiple beacons. I want two or three properties. I already got one, a family in Abilene. And, by the way, another point to that, it's not just you funding it. You need to be on site because I'm going to give you a management plan. I'm going to give you a crash course into what to do. So you will get expertise as well. So I want two or three beacons out in West Texas that are just lighting up, putting out a siren and saying, this is what can be done. And if we can do it with nine inches of rain, I can do, you know, I, we can do it in any one of your 
areas in the United States. If there's people living there currently, we can we can help. We can I think help. this is a great area. I, I can't tell you how I'm excited that you're here, and you're not just working in in, in West Texas, but Central Texas as well. Um, what makes this climate unique is, and I'll put it to you this way, if, if I was at a point where when I was just in Montana, there were a bunch of people from Seattle, and if one more of them said to me, I'm in USDA Zone 8, I was going to punch them in the face. Because I'm in Zone 8, and um, it's not really the same. This is a tough climate on some levels, but it's an easy climate on some other levels. But it's not something that's really been well-researched and developed, and we're at that area where a lot of things that need cooler temperatures don't do so well, but yet it still freezes and kills all the tropical stuff. And you can do some great things with microclimates and all, but it would be nice to know what's your go-to gilding here? What is What are your go-to nitrogen fixers here? What are your go-to production crops here that are perennials? And I think a lot of research needs to be done with that. And I do think it'll be research that, you know, maybe what you can grow in Seattle isn't what you can grow in Texas, but I think a lot of times what you can grow in Texas will be what you can grow in Seattle. Well, we have a, a ridiculous amount of leguminous trees that grow in Texas, and a lot of them are native, and a lot of them aren't. For instance, people hate uh, um, the mesquite tree. Mesquite tree is an amazing tree. I mean, it will it will be thorny, and it's weedy, and it's spiky, right? It's a, it is a pioneer species. It's a good chop and dropper. It fixes nitrogen. And the seed pods are edible and they're sweet. You know, there's another guy out there who does dryland work. His name is Brad Lancaster. He has a whole book dedicated to eating the pods off of the mesquite tree. And most people want to shave them down. They're helping you. Yeah, and so, if, you, if you cut them and you take the bigger pieces when you chop and drop, you know, the pieces that are about the size of like a fist, and you, you collect them all up and you burn them and put like bacon-wrapped dove breast on top of them, you know that's a, that's a that's a function stacking right there. I mean, it's an incredibly good heating and cooking wood as well. Is is my actual point? There's, it's not an evil thing. It's just when you have a field that's full of nothing but mesquite trees, the problem is the problem versus the problem is a solution. Oh well, you just made me hungry. I would say that. <laughs> we we got the eastern redbud or just the redbud. We have it out here. We have the honey locust. I have one in my backyard. Before before I knew anything about permaculture, I tried killing it three times. It doesn't die. And it's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. And now, you know, I, I I just go over and I take it. I break off a twig. I use that little twig for, uh, for tomato trellises. And then all the little leaves on it, I put on top of a little backyard berm I have here. So, I mean, there's there's tons. I have a list. I will help you. You know, I'm uh, whatever there is. You, going back to the central Texas uh, climate, a lot of people, you know, are like, hey, you know what? Permaculture and all its techniques, it works good in the tropics. And, you know, and, and then and then they skip over. And then we saw green in the desert. And it works good. But I'm in a temperate man. And I know it gets ridiculously hot and dry here. And I know it gets cold. Show me. Well, I'm in the process. So don't worry. I, it, it will be done. And I'll show you. But what we don't understand a lot we don't realize the benefit that we have. We have two slowdown periods. So that means we have two growth, exceptionally fast growing periods, which the tropics and the subtropics don't. And the cold temperate climates, you know, they have even a shorter, we're in a cool temperate climate, by the way, up here in North Texas. Mm-hmm. But they have even a shorter 
span of, of like, oh, my God, you know, rhubarb says, I need to grow, so it grows. But we have that winter, and if we're so fortunate to get snow cover on the ground, that is protecting the soil, and the microbes in the soil are regulating the temperature under that ice. It's amazing stuff. When it's hot, that's actually our, our, our more delicate time that we really need to have the earthworks and the irrigation set correctly. That's where the phase one of permaculture is going to – that's where we need to spend the time. But we have two slowdown periods, which gives us two completely different types of crops. That's why you don't grow tomatoes in, in fall. You need that hot summer sun to get that really juicy, stress-tolerant, you know, acidic, lovely tomato or that peach. You know, let it grow in the stress of the sun. Plant it, you know, take care of it in the spring, but let it get that stress in our hot periods. And that's where you're going to get that flavor and the nutrient density out of it. But you've got to take care of the soil. So it's awesome. We have an awesome climate for growing long-term storage crops, great gardening. It doesn't matter if it's clay, silt, all sand. It really doesn't matter. That's that's really a time issue at that point. If it's all clay, fine. We get in there, we infiltrate water, we get get the correct species in and break up the compaction. If it's all sand, no worries. We do the same thing, but we get the correct species in there that hold the soil together. All the the techniques of permaculture are already there. They're already proven. They're, it's, I guess for a better word, it's legit. <laughs> but, but now we need some guidance. What's the staging of it? What's the succession? You know, permaculture is very confused. They say, well, I do permaculture, and this kind of goes what you were saying earlier. Don't be a permaculture consultant because you're doing techniques and then giving permaculture a bad name. You were saying something like that earlier. But that's right. People get confused because you're doing sheet mulching that or an herb spiral. That's a permaculture technique. Permaculture is multidimensional. It works with techniques, which is one dimension. It works with strategy, which is the second dimension. That means time. And it works with patterns. So it's a multidimensional thing that really brings in long-term food security, self-reliance, and... Yeah, I put it this way. To say you're a permaculturist because you built an herb spiral is like saying you're an architect because you built a door frame, <laughs> right? It just it, it just doesn't work that way. Or, you know, to say that you are a professional football player because you can, you can throw a long pass. Um, there, you know, you're a quarterback because you can throw the ball far. Well, there's so much more that goes to being a quarterback, understanding plays, reading defenses. There's like a, an entire, you know, no other, there's no other place in the world where somebody would make that leap, but yet we seem to do it in permaculture. And I think it's just because, well, it's so accessible, right? Not everybody gets to go try to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but anybody can start doing permaculture in their backyard. And that's good, but it's also bad if we believe that, like, you know, what it gets me is you see these videos. I'm like, well, I got my garden here. I got this. And this is my permaculture over here. It's like, ah! <laughs> you know? yeah. and it's because they've done one or two things that they saw that was a permaculture technique. And it's like, and you don't want to put the person down or nothing, but you're also thinking, it's not that you're a bad person. You just don't get it. You just don't understand how the totality works. But I, I do want to move on because we've been on the air for quite a while now. Um, how do you set up a pricing structure? You mentioned a day rate, but I mean, if somebody comes to you and says, I have a project, you know, what, what options do they have as far as retaining you unless it's one of the three lucky people in West Texas? 
Yeah, no worries. Look, um, where I'm at currently, I want to help you, and I will I will continue to want to help you. So if say I've done some consult consultations as I've been back, I've actually had uh, more than I could handle, which makes I'm also looking for an apprentice, by the way, who come out and help with the school and uh, with the consultations. So. They can, this this whole idea can be replicated, and other apprentices and interns will get the opportunity as well. Um, if it's one day, you know, we we go at eight hundred fifty bucks. If I need to be there for three weeks, or if I need to be there for two months, obviously I'm going to give you a deal, and I'm going to work with anybody's budget who's serious about it. And that's the deal. I I will work with you too if you just want a coffee table thing to say, hey, I had Nick Bertner over here. He designed this up for me. Okay, that's fine. I'll help you. But if you're serious about reconstructing your land and making serious changes and taking responsibility, I will work with you. Right? I, I will reach towards you. Just like with you, Jack. I saw you doing this. I reached out to you. I want to yep. know you. Yeah, so don't be discouraged. Get in touch with me. If you want to – I'm really looking forward to serious students. And – and all the consultation work that will happen, no, no worries. And, and I'll send students there, too. If I can't do it, I will send somebody who, can, who, who I feel confident who can, who can take care of you. I'm looking for real people that are serious about making real changes. So if that's you, you contact me. Absolutely. And you also have a PDC coming up very soon, correct? I do. Um, very small. Uh, I'm limiting it to only... 20 people. It's in September, um, and it's a. And we're we're doing it at. Uh, I have two in the works locations for the school, and it's in Plano, Texas. It's at an urban. It's at what I'm calling the urban site. Only 20 people. It will be in the living room here. <laughs> then we're going to do another PDC in in spring. If it works out right, we'll actually do a month internship for architecture. We'll be building structures. So you'll get to live in a tent for four weeks, get theory, and also hands-on experience building everything from gray water systems, composting toilets, to an actual structure. That Just so I understand you correct, is that the, the spring thing, is that two different events, or is that like a PDC combined with a, a, an right. apprenticeship? Right. So here, here we go. So it's three, three separate things in spring. It's going to be okay. architecture. Uh, internship. Then after that, uh, in a separate, a whole other separate thing is a PDC. And then after that, which is a 12 day event, after that is, and I haven't decided it's going to be four or five weeks, a four week or five week permaculture internship, which you have to have a PDC to get into that internship. If, if you have Jeff Lawton's online PDC, if you have a PDC from some other place, I don't care. It just needs to, I, you know, I need to know that you've taken that course because we're not backtracking. We're not doing a PDC in the permaculture internship. So it's three okay. things, an architecture internship, a PDC, and then a permaculture internship. And, um, I'll, you know, if you look at our website, it, it's not um, it's not completely up, updated with all that information yet. This has all, you know, been, been worked since June, since I've actually been, been back from Australia. But give, give me a few weeks, and on the website, it will all be laid out for you. Now, your PDC that's coming up in September, you, you have some of the seats full already, but you have room there, and you said you'd offer members of this audience a discount for it. So you can talk about the price and what price 
members of TSP audience can get? Yes. Uh, it is a $1,200 PDC course. It's 12 days. And, um, and one of the perks on that is I'll be teaching that. But Jack said, and I'm going to hold you to it, Jack, he's going to come in and do some assistant instructing as well. I will. I absolutely will. I won't be there every day of the event, but I will be there several days, and we'll do some adjunctive instructing. Yeah. Uh, he, i got to say this on the air. He told me the other day, he goes, I have the ability to translate redneck. <laughs> <laughs> I think I said to translate into redneck. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm Texas, y'all. So. Uh, yeah, so it's a... Um, I will give a $200 discount to all TSP uh, listeners and members. Uh, definitely value uh, what you're doing, Jack, and what you guys that are listening are doing, too. Completely on board with it. So um, I don't have it set up yet online to... Could we just do this? We just have people that are interested in taking the PDC and getting a discount email you about it, and then you can take it from there? Done. Done. Okay, so put put TSP PDC in the subject line. And send it to Nick. Again, his email, uh, learn at workingwithnature.org. I'll make sure it's in the show notes so you guys can find it, and I'll, I'll put those instructions. So if you want to attend a PDC uh, taught by a guy that's interned with Jeff, uh, right in Plano, Texas, uh, 12-day intensive course, get with Nick on that, and I think that's awesome. And uh, thank you for extending that discount. You're welcome. Thank you for, um, for letting people know. Now, I want to – kind of talk on the educational thing for a minute because I broke Nick into doing some instructing at my place. Um, so we've had some conversations on the air about this suburban uh, garden showcase, basically, that I want to put on my property. I've got a three-acre property. We've got big plans for parts of it. Parts of it, really, you can't mess with too much because of structures. But then I've got this space of about 2,700 square feet. Certain things have been planned, like, are going to happen because, like, there's, well, there's water tanks in the ground. We're not moving them now. Um, but it's pretty much a blank slate right now. It's, it's open for anything. And I had talked about doing an aquaponics course combined with uh, a, a, a design course on that area. And as you and I talked about it, I at least talked myself, if not you, into the fact that it's probably better not to do the two at, at once. So what we've been talking about, we'll have to work this out as to the total timeline, but a three- or four-day course on small space design, where everybody that comes will actually design it, look at everybody's ideas, and then we'll do it again, and we'll do it again until we come up with a final design that will be based on input from all the students. And I've kind of at least you know roped you into uh, to basically being the the, the 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 true instructor at that, so I can be a host. Um, and I don't know exactly when we're going to do that, but we're probably looking at October. I'm thinking right now. Um, you and I will figure out some dates, but. Uh, you're still on board with teaching that course, right? It's going to be done. Done. That's okay. okay. <laughs> no need for words. I'll be there. So this is the one that if you're interested in, you should get with me because um, I'll be putting together the scheduling and all around that. And, and this is going to be cool. I, you know, Nick had said that maybe, you know, like a person might not have enough background, but, you know, we're not going to go into landscape profiles and all. And I'm going to put together um, – a course outline, and I won't make it public until you agree to it. <laughs> but um, basically, my thought is we'll do a site analysis. I'm the client, so we'll look at the client's needs um, and the client's wants and uh, being fairly flexible but having a few things that are like have-to-bes. And uh, I think that when somebody walks away from that course – 
they might not be ready to go out and consult. They not, might not be ready to go out and be a professional, if you want to call it that. But I think that when they look at their own backyard, they'll be able to understand, well, how do I analyze what I'm dealing with? How do I, how do I meet my own wants and needs? And how do I design plantings and irrigation and things like that? Because no matter what we come up with as the final design, the reason I like this, this template that you and I worked out together is every student at that is going to take a, a shot at a design. Every student will see every other person's design. And the amount of ideas that a person, I think, will leave with with a class like that will be unbelievable. Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be really good. It's basically uh, the last days of the PDC is what we're doing. We're, we're doing a design workshop, which every, and that's really what we're doing here. We're designing our lives. We're designing our future. We're designing our right now, learning how to work with, you know, real-time sun. So it's going to be... Uh, great. You and I need to get together on it uh, in a little bit more detail to go over the class notes. Uh, by all means, I'm sure whatever you come up with is going to be great. Um, but as a as a teacher of permaculture, I need to really hone in on you guys that what you're doing is you're gaining skills to create a system. You know, it's not just you know, hey, let me sheet mulch here. You're creating a a, a timed event. You know, and and things that were it's all zone one but even zone one has like you know sort of, sort of the lack of a better word mini zones in between it you know you don't want your compost pile at the back of your three acre lot when you it's right needs to be right next to your kitchen correct so, correct so there's yeah go ahead i was gonna say i think something that's going to be really cool that we're going to work into this is that in most like design practicum type workshops that are intensives you're dealing with a client that has a budget and sometimes the budget has literally been created by the event. So the student's tuition is helping fund the, the installation. And that means that you come in and instead of doing what we're going to do, which is mostly a paper, you're going to sit down and, and draw the design. And we're going to talk about it. And what's going to be cool is, you know, we'll probably use the garage as the studio. And every time you go, what did that really look like? You just walk out and look at it. It'll be right there, you know. So it won't be just a flat design project. But most of these situations, you either come in and do the design and then implement it, which we won't be doing the implementation stage here because it won't be the best time of year for doing that. Um, we'll be doing the design and coming up to the, to the final idea. But most of these situations, okay, so you do the design, then you install it, and there's a budget to do the install. The average homeowner can't do that in their backyard. They don't have the money to do it end-to-end -end in one shot. So w you and I are going to work together, and I think a lot of it will be active during the course as we figure out what we're actually doing. Okay, fine. Jack can set a budget. Jack can say we're going to run another workshop, you know, I don't know, March, and we're going to do the install. Uh, maybe a few things we had done before then, and, and Jack can do that. But but the guy that goes home today that starts working on his backyard is going to go, well, I, I don't have the budget to do the whole thing. So we'll take the final design and we'll say, okay, let's say we don't have a budget. Let's say this has to be implemented over three years. What would we do first? What would we do second and why? And I think that's largely missing from a lot of permaculture events is how do I prioritize the staging in of a design when the budget's not there to do it at once? And that's just something I'm very excited about developing with you, and I'd like to see you know replicated elsewhere because I think that that would make it far more approachable to the person that's not going to hire a consultant or is going to hire a consultant to just do the design, and then they're going to have to get their head around, okay, this guy came in, he designed a great system. It's a $15,000 system. I'm willing to make the investment, but this year I have three. 
And, and I think that's going to be actually really cool. And I'll say what I said to the last event. Um, we'll probably screw some stuff up because we're doing something we've never done before. But I think we'll get it done well enough that people will benefit from it. That's excellent. No, you, you're right. We, we don't talk enough about that. We don't talk enough about the staging. And it's probably due to we're, we're talking about education at most PDCs as opposed to consulting work. Now, something like most urban permaculture courses – and which we teach, they they do get into not only urban permaculture, the design of that, but some of the the aspect of you know th- that's kind of the business side of permaculture at that point. What do we do? Okay, hey, customer comes in, you know, they decide decided to hire uh, trust nature permaculture, and um, now they want to do all this. We designed it for them, but. And they want to do it all, but they can't. Just like what you're saying, they don't have the funds right now. How do you stage it? What's the most important thing to do? So this has been kind of, it's more of an advanced class to take, which most people, you know, they don't get there unless they're, they're taking this very serious. So what you're doing is you're opening this more advanced class to, you know, right from the get-go, which is awesome which is awesome, and we are going to mess some things up. <laughs> you know, it's going to be our first time doing this, but we're going to have a lot of fun. I know that's the case. I, I think that one thing that I, I'm really confident in saying now, having done one, is that if you come to a permaculture event here at uh, what we, my wife and I uh, call under the table anyway, Black Dog Ranch in, uh, in memory of our dog, um, you will have a hell of a good time. Um, whether we screw something up or not, you will have a blast. You'll meet great people. Uh, I will feed the hell out of you. Um, un- I, there will be no drugs at my event, but you, you will probably drink a beer or two if you want one. Um, we'll play some pool. And I think that in this, the, if you do, and I think I'd like to challenge more permaculture uh, teachers to try to, and don't bring beer just because I said so. I don't, you do it however you want to, but to try to bring more of an after-hour social component that's a lot of fun for people uh, and that lets people that are generally a little bit shy in sharing and talking and asking questions feel very comfortable uh, as though you were just hanging out at a barbecue because I learned every bit as much as I taught at my first event. Uh, It was unbelievable, the ideas, the concepts, and the things that got passed around. And if you want to come to this event, this is the one to email me for, Send an email to jack at the survivalpodcast.com and put urban permaculture workshop in the subject line. I'll put you into a waiting list so that when we open this, I'll do exactly what I did last time. I'll give everybody that sent that email the chance to sign up first in the order that they came in. And uh, if we don't fill all the seats, then I'll open it up to everybody else. And uh, that's probably, like I said, it's going to just based on what you've told me about your plans and I know about my plans, mid October is probably what we're looking at there, which will be great weather, by the way. Oh, it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be wonderful. <laughs> totally looking forward to this. Totally looking to having a great time with all you guys and uh, with Jack. And, and I've done a workshop with Jack, and I've hung out with him. And he's a fun guy. He's considered as can be. So we're going to have a blast. So if people want to get in touch with you, I've given out your email address a couple of times. You've got a website and all, too. You want to just remind people of that? Yeah, uh, couple, uh, two things, if you don't mind. Uh, yeah, go ahead. My email address is learn at workingwithnature.org. So it's like you're going to learn something. Learn, L-E-A-R-N. And and it's not .com. Learn at workingwithnature.org. And the other deal is I'm looking for somebody in the Dallas area, probably North Dallas area, 
to uh, start as an as-needed basis apprentice, and it can be up for a year, and this position will probably never be opened again. And I will be creating basically uh, you'll be involved in everything from PDC facilitating to taking PDCs to facilitating other courses and also going on consultations with me uh, when when our time schedules uh, match up. So I will be looking for somebody to do that, somebody who's passionate and really wants to learn this. Um, so, you know, just email me about that. Just put consultation in on, on learn at workingwithnature.org. Um, and let me say, I had over 30 applicants for my internship, and, and a lot of them were from all around the country, but a few of you guys uh, were from right here in the North Texas area. You may really want to think about getting in touch with Nick about this. It's, it's a totally different deal, so it may or may not be the right fit for you, but I can think of a few of you guys, especially one young man who uh, was very high on the finalist list uh, in, in screening uh, from Rice University and just graduated from there that, that you really might want to get in touch about this opportunity. It may actually be a better fit for you. Um, and if I could throw something out here with people that are running uh, permaculture farms and permaculture designs and that are take uh, design uh, consultation firms and everything that are taking interns. Um, I, I think you would agree with this. It's very important that when you screen for your interns, you don't just look at the person that can do the most for you, but the person you can do the most for in return. I just like to say some of you guys, when I analyzed your basically your place in life that you were at and saying, is it in this person's best interest that they take six months with me at this juncture in their life? The answer was no, not because you weren't good or not because you couldn't have done a lot for me, but I didn't believe I could do enough for you with your goals. And I'd like to challenge anybody taking in interns or apprentices to take that approach because you're asking somebody to donate a significant amount of their, their life to what you're doing. And you're not going to pay them anything or you're going to pay them a small stipend or whatever you're going to do. Um, th their return is what they get out of it. And uh, you, you really got to take that into consideration. So anybody that didn't hear from me back doesn't mean you weren't a great candidate. It just means that maybe I thought I could help someone else more. So I'm actually going to actually for the first time uh, let people know the intern that uh, – that got selected. His name is uh, Josiah Wallingford, and uh, he's from uh, Kalispell, Montana. So he's coming a long way. Young guy, 29 years old. Um, prior service military was a 19 Delta Cab Scout. Um, so I believed him when he said he could handle a Texas summer, at least at the beginning of what he's doing. And uh, it's going to be fun, man. And uh, you know, I'll tell you, actually, one of my conversations with you when you were out here, whether you know it or not, uh, was was a big part of why I decided I was going to go ahead and do this because it's also a big commitment on our end. It sure is, and, and you're you're right. Uh, uh, I want to second that because I literally can can do the apprentice stuff. I'm going to be asking at least in the in the short term myself. It's really not about me. I need. I'm wanting to put this position out to offer somebody a good opportunity. This is what at least with me. This is what you're going to get at the end. Uh, you know, within half a year, I should be part of the Permaculture Research Institute network of schools. So at the end of a year, apprentice, and you have the option to do two years, it works out really good, you will get a certificate that says you completed the apprenticeship program. That it, It's the only time that, because it's not how it works, you literally have to usually have to be an intern to be asked 
or to show that your dedication to be an apprentice at that point. So because we don't have the interns, internships up yet, this is the only time that at, here at the beginning you're, you, know, you can come in directly as an apprentice. So it's a very good opportunity. You'll get credentials at the end. You'll get firm credentials that you will be able to take either on consultations, you want to open up a school, whatever you want to do. It's going to really help you in, in your future in permaculture and in agriculture, period. Well, very cool. And, again, your website next so that people can find you and get in touch with you, email, all that. Workingwithnature.org. Very cool. Well, man, thanks for being here today. And uh, I, I do want to encourage anybody in this area, and when I say this area, we're right where I'm at, North Texas, uh, if you're interested in that, reach out to Nick because if it turns out it's not going to work out, he's not going to bust you over the head or anything. You know, he's a really nice guy, uh, incredibly nice guy. Um, so take a shot and see if it's right for you. And if it's not, you know, you, you both will figure that out. If it is, it could be a very transformation, transformational experience. Uh, for those that often say I do too much on permaculture, I should do more on survival, I, the two words to me are as synonymous as it gets. I'll ask you again, when's the last time you were in a gunfight and when's the last time you ate? And unless you're uh, overseas right now being shot at on a daily basis, I bet you I can answer the question for you. We've got to feed ourselves, and we've got a, a lot of work to do to make sure that society can feed, it, feed itself. And, uh, man, I, I look at my job, guys, as I am like the fire marshal. If you want me to come over to your house and tell you how to get out of it if it catches on fire and how to put it out once it's on fire, I can do that but I'd prefer to come out and tell you how to keep it from burning down in the first place. And I don't know about you, Nick, but I feel like um, we have a lot of problems in society, and permaculture isn't the only way, but it's one way and, and one major way that we can prevent things from burning down instead of trying to pick them up after after it's all in ashes. Totally agree, Jack. And I, I totally agree with you. I love what you're doing. Uh, whether you come from a survival point of view or you just want to learn how to grow organic food, it is – you know, let's work together. I don't think uh, anybody in the permaculture camp goes, oh, my God, you know, survivalist. Not at all. This has wide variety of people, all the way from executive CEOs down to college students to, to supermodels to um, a lot of people don't know, but Olivia Newton-John and Michael Jackson were clients of Bill Moulton. Oh, know, wow. So an, an amazing uh, variety, a myriad of people who are into this, uh, survivalists, urban survivalists, it doesn't matter. It, it, there's, there's room for everybody, and you are correct. Survivalism and permaculture are synonymous. I would like to add, we like to deal with abundance, not survival. <laughs> correct, correct. And that's how you don't get in. People say, how do you survive a survival situation? Don't get into one. I mean, that's, that's, that's the mentality we all need to have. And as we close up today, uh, just on the whole concept of permaculture and, and, and farming and, and, and working with nature, which is the name of your company, uh, I actually finally got to read uh, the entire book of The One Straw Revolution while I was on an airplane recently, because that's when I actually can sit down and read and don't have anything get in my way. And uh, one quote out of there came through to me, and I'd like to close with it today. Uh, by uh, Masanobu Fugora, and that was that natural farming is not just for growing crops. It is the cultivation and perfection of human beings. And that is freaking amazing when you really think about it that way. That that's what we're really cultivating when we're cultivating food is people. And with that, this has been Jack Spirico today along with Nick Bertner, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough, or even if they don't.
Show you. 